What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast presented by House Enterprise. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, just your neighborly normal guy with a lazy eye here connecting with people who have incredible stories to tell. It is June 1st. It is summer coming off Memorial Day weekend. It is staying sunny out here in Massachusetts. Another another beautiful day. And today's guest hails from the great state of Massachusetts originally. Bobby Hobart joins today's show. He is the host of It's the Bearded Man podcast. He is a wonderful content creator helping thousands of people create better habits with their lives. He is a gem of a person, and I'm just so thankful that we were able to get him on this show to share his story. From 19,002 Uber rides to two very highly successful podcasts, this is an episode that you definitely want to check out. This guy has incredible drive. He has incredible passion for doing what he does. And again, just a joy to have on the show. So without further ado, here is the one and only Bobby Hobart. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye-opening experience. Well, everyone, on this week's episode, we have another Massachusetts native. Bobby Hobart is the host of It's the Bearded Man podcast. As a content creator, Bobby has helped thousands of people create better habits and stay dialed in. If you're not following this man, you are missing out. At Bobby, three Bs, four As, one Y. Bobby, how are you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Yeah, uh, pl- pleasure to be here, man. It's it's funny every time the B, L, three Bs, four As, and a Y, because I'm just like, why did I ever do that to myself? But it now just kind of happened, out, and now it's part of the brand, and here we are today. I, I felt that, dude, I did the same thing. I, I was like a sophomore in high school when I changed my Instagram handle to he went to Jared. Mm. And I was like, this is funny. And I spelled my name obviously weird, weirder than a regular Jared would yeah. per se. So it was easy to get. And then I remember my senior year of college, I was sitting in some stupid business class that I didn't want to do. And I'd already checked out, but um, I was like, is it time to graduate from the he went to Jared? Instagram handle and go to something more and I put like in parentheses like professional Mm. and like resounding I've never seen my followers hit this like poll more than my life it was like 900 no's and like three yeses and one of the yeses was my ex-girlfriend so uh, (laughs) (laughs) so I was like all right we're not changing it then so like to you to your point like it's part of the brand now you can't change it yeah and you know if an ex-girlfriend didn't want you to have it so be it that's fine but (laughs) Uh, it's branding and branding stuff actually is so interesting to me and even respect to you with the title of this podcast, like talk about just ownership, authenticity. It's like the most beautiful thing of all time. So mad respect to you. Um, but I, that's one thing I've learned with branding and like, you know, who do, who are you in the world is like, you kind of just decide. And it's like this repetition of constantly reminding people like, not everybody's watching you every single day or paying attention. Like they have their own lives to live and you really do decide like what that, what that brand becomes. So I'm honored when you're saying the intro, like, you know, he always sits to be in my podcast. He helps people with their habits and staying dialed in and helped a lot of people. The only reason that's ever happened is just, I just continue to show up. So I think with branding and anything, anything that you're trying to do, it's that ability to just show up and stay consistent and, inevitably in time you know the results start to come and you start to speak in you start to bring to fruition these ideas that you have absolutely i like we've had a bunch of podcast guests on the show or podcast yeah. hosts on the show <laughs> excuse me but they always say the winning recipe to a successful podcast is consistency 
Totally. I think we had Tony Nash on the show last couple of weeks ago and he said 90% of podcasts don't make it to their second episode. So yeah. if you get to the second episode and you just keep going and you keep going, you know, we'll, you'll get to the results eventually. We're obviously going to talk a lot about your podcast journey and all that. But I think just to that point and kind of to wrap that in a bow, consistency is what's going to win over that branding image that you're looking to create. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the greatest lesson I've learned in podcasting in the last six years is consistency is the name of the game. And also I think secondary lesson that I learned was there's a lot of um, success measures from entering this podcast journey that nobody could ever measure. It's not an analytical thing. Right. Um, two part one being self growth and everything that I've learned from doing it, but also two the doors that have just naturally opened because of it. Yes. Just been unbelievable. So Sometimes we start things thinking, you know, there is this one goal, this one idea of what, what, what is going to happen. I need to grow the audience. I need to see thousands of downloads to know that I'm successful or to feel like this was a success. But my biggest su successes from the podcast are things that you or nobody out, out externally would ever be able to measure or understand fully. So it's also just a good reminder that you Absolutely. don't really know what's going to come from you doing something. The only way to figure that out is by actually doing it. Exactly. And like, and you make a perfect example of like, it doesn't always have to be the number of downloads as you, how you measure success. Dude, I was literally on a flight the other, like a couple months ago. And I like my, my uh, phone case is my podcast. So I mm -hmm. had my phone on my, I was on a flight. I had it face down. So you could see the case on the, on the tray and the flight attendant walks by. I, I wish I remember what episode she said, but she's like, oh my God, I just listened to your episode with so-and-so. And I was like, you're joking. Like we're in the <laughs> middle, we're 30,000 feet in the air and, and we're talking about my podcast. Like that's absurd. Wow. I was like, that's, that is awesome. And I loved it. And wow. like, I don't have a hundred thousand downloads. I have 82, 82 episodes now, 83 episodes, but I, but that was like, checkbox serotonin wow. levels through the roof so it was awesome yeah the personal comments from somebody will make the will make you feel like you're doing something right versus seeing analytics on the charts like i've never that seeing an analytical growth in podcasting any creative career for me has just been like oh that's cool it's like this hit of adrenaline and then you're instantly like you're at a new peak so now you want to get to the next peak but anytime i've ever met somebody and they've told me anyway the podcast my content has impacted them in any way possible there's there's a purpose fulfillment there that can't be matched and it isn't a now let's get to the next person let's get to the next peak it's more of let me take that internalize it add fuel to the fire and then keep going so it's just so interesting what we sometimes think success is going to be and what the real things end up being are comments like that from being 30,000 feet up and having a flight attendant say, Hey, I just listened to your podcast. That's going to make your day, make your week, make your month. That's yeah. just going to be a priceless feeling. Exactly. So let's take a couple of steps back here. I always like to say on my show, every story has a beginning. So I want to start with your beginning out here yeah. in Massachusetts. Can you tell a little bit about growing up in the Hobart household and what life was like growing up here in Massachusetts? A Hobart household. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's not until you get older when you're able to like see everything from a bird's eye perspective and yeah, have appreciation and gratitude, but I grew up, uh, Chicopee, Massachusetts just couldn't have been in a more ideal household where I had two loving parents, a sister, uh, very supportive food was always on the table, roof over my head. Parents were there to support us trying new things or 
to get us a new pair of shoes for school or really just didn't really allow any barriers to stop us from becoming the people that we are today. But it was that mixed balance of also like, if you want the second pair of shoes, you got to work for it. If you want, we'll buy you call of duty, but if you want gears of war, you're going to need to work for it. So like, I'm so much the person I am today just always will stem back to like being in a household that just was supportive, loving, caring, open-minded, um, my parents were just very flexible and I still, it's not until I do podcasts like this where I'm like having to reflect or having conversations with people about childhood. And I just, I, I got, I'm very fortunate. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, it just, that set me up, uh, you know, through childhood and really up until 18, 19, like before, once I left the house, like I still, was always just trying things. I didn't really have a passion or a purpose. I didn't have like an idea of what, what I was going to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to school outside of Boston. Uh, I went to LaSalle college for a year, then uh, Bentley university um, and graduated there. But really like I lived in Massachusetts for 23 years and it wasn't till the 22nd year that I started to have an idea of kind of what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. And even then I still didn't know, what the podcast journey was going to bring, what my creative career was going to look like. Right. I just trusted like this was the next best step. Um, and then, so that, you know, really opened up things as I started to get into this whole world. But I have, that's literally why I tattooed Massachusetts on me. I love that tattoo. Not that because I, I forget where I'm from or like, <laughs> I need to know what Massachusetts looks like, but it's a good reminder of like, this is home. This is, this is who I am. Like I'm always evolving. We're always changing as humans, but I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I wouldn't have the mindset I have if it wasn't for my roots. So I have the utmost appreciation, gratitude for where I was raised in Chicopee um, and just the state of Massachusetts, the people I was around. And it really has shaped me into who I am today. Yeah. And that was a veteran answer to say your actual town name instead of 45 minutes, hour and a half hour outside of Boston. Yeah, no, that's a, that's I, a standard. For- <laughs> always, always. Cause you know, I truthfully don't ever say like just outside of Springfield, which is where Chicopee is. Like yeah, you, you're right. you went right to the, ta- right uh, to the I tiny got, little town. Cause I want to give credit where credit is due. Yes. And I don't, you never know. I can say right now in this moment in time, I don't think I'll ever live there again. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe things will change. Who knows? But that's why I always, when I have opportunities, like I want to give credit where credit is due because that's literally where I'm from. That's who I am. That's like be that place helped me become who I am today was a massive stepping stone. So, you know, when I'm describing where I'm from to people, I usually say, Oh, it's 45 minutes outside of it, it's not 45 minutes. Excuse me. I'll say like, you know, it's an hour and 20 minutes West of Boston near Springfield, which is Chickabee. I'll have to like kind of guide them, but wrap it out for them. Yeah. Yeah. I always I always like speaking on the actual city and letting it be I like known. that. I like that. So like you said, you went to you got your degree from Bentley University. And I'd heard on a podcast that you did that you were kind of sitting there on graduation and they made some sort of announcement that 98% of this, the graduating class here has a plan of, or has a job and everyone's cheering and everyone's you know hooping hooping and hollering you were part of the 2% that didn't. Now, I want to kind of dial that back because as a person who's been following you for a long time, you you look like you know what you're doing. You have a plan. But back then, it maybe didn't seem like there was a plan of attack. What sort of steps did you take, though, to finding that plan of what you wanted to do with your life? Great question. Um, 
Yeah. So it was just for clarity. It, it was an email that I got sent out and it was gnarly <laughs> because when I got the email, it was actually six months after graduating and it was the most ideal time to get that email. But when I'm sitting there and graduate, like during graduation, it was a very bittersweet moment. Most people there were extremely excited because they're about to graduate. They have an idea of what the fuck they're doing next right. and they're ready to go. I'm sitting there like, this is finally the moment. Like you're being pushed off the cliff. You now have to figure your shit out. And so um, I really didn't know what I was going to do. And I went back to my hometown. The, the, one, of the, one of the most emotional moments in that period of my life was graduating. But then also like I went back home. I was like trying to navigate a couple opportunities of like just to make some side hustle, to make some cash. Right. My uncle, who I was the first job I ever had at 12, he, it's like summer months. He owns a landscaping company. So that's his prime time season. It's actually, so if I'm, if I'm being honest with you, it's probably around literally six years ago to around right now, because I graduated early May. I'd gone back. I was chilling for like a week or two. And then I started working. It's probably six years ago from where this podcast is being recorded at the end of May right now. Yeah. And uh, I'll just never forget. I'm, I'm like, it's like middle of the week, 6, 7 PM, the sun setting. I'm like out watering plants. And I just have this like emotional moment where I'm like, I have, I am back to the first job I've ever had. I have this incredible, good, incredible degree in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck did I go wrong? Right. Why am I back to where I started? So that was a very emotional moment where I was like, I need to really figure some shit out. And I just kept pushing myself to like, I, I did that. I was like hustling for another local company gig that just fell flat. But in my mind, I had this idea to start podcasting and I kind of was just working on it behind the scenes. And I didn't know when I was going to launch it. It ended up being August 31st, 2016. But I just did not know what the chapter was going to look like next post-college. I just looked at every day as just a chance to learn and grow. I was reading a lot. I was listening to podcasts a lot. I was doing anything and everything I could do to make money. I was selling shit on eBay. I was just hustling. And, um, as I was getting ready to launch the podcast, I'm on the back in the background. I'm like recording a couple episodes. My buddy's going on tour. I'm, I'm tour managing him for like one or two weeks at a time. Everything was kind of aligning of like, you need to start this podcast and you just need to do it. Right. You're not going to make any money, but you should just do it. Trust that internal gut belief of like, you think you need to do this. And the goal was because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. The goal was use this as a platform to interview people that were passionate and understand how did they find their passion? How can I find my passion? Right. Um, and I just hustled, started driving Uber full-time, moved back to Boston after like three months. And from there, I just kind of hit the ground running. Once I got back to Boston, I felt like I had a plan because for the three months, four months of that summer, I was just free flowing. I was making money where I could. I didn't really have a job. I kind of was going to, I was starting this podcast. I didn't know what that was going to look like. Once I moved back to Boston, I like, locked into a lease for a year in the city of Boston. I knew I was going to be driving Uber to make some money. I was starting this podcast. I was taking like a real estate class and I was just like, no idea where we're going, but we're going to figure it out. And I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. I promised myself to stay disciplined to the podcast for at least a year to see where it would take me, put out one weekly podcast for the whole year. And at the one year marker, literally the day of the one year podcast, the 52nd episode, I think it was the 50th because I missed two weeks. Yeah. It was the day I packed up my car and moved to LA. Wow. 
Okay. So a lot to unpack there. What yeah. I want us to touch with is your 19,002 Uber drives. Got that tattooed. I, I freaking knew it. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I was prepping for this interview and I was like, I am going to ask, he has it tattooed and I'm like 94% sure he does. <laughs> yeah. I was like, there was like 6% of me was like, this can go really awkward if you didn't have it tattooed. Yeah. But 19,000 Uber rides. It's that's a lot. Totally. And you did it both in Boston and out, and out in LA. What were some of the biggest lessons you took from driving Uber? Mm. Uh, that's a really good question. Every person has a story. Um, so that was, that was just very obvious to me, just with the amount of different people that I met through podcasting to the importance of consistency. I didn't know how many rides I was going to drive for Uber, but I just stayed consistent long enough that finally I was able to exit it. But what also goes hand in hand with that was focusing on 24 hours at a time. There were a lot of times I'd hit the wall where I was like, I'm done driving Uber. I feel like I should be doing something bigger than this, helping people. I don't know what it is, but I just would wake up and I would just go, just drive, like just drive. And even just speaking on it gets me like in some weird emotion because I can feel it. And I still remember these days of like pack up the car fill it with lunch and like on a Friday, like today, like by noon, I would start driving and I drive through till 10, 11 o'clock at night and then go home. Um, but it, it's, it was a very important, interesting chapter in my life. Like, I think it, it really provided me space, a lot of space. Another lesson I would say is um, creating like solitude, right? Mm-hmm. Like creating space for you to think and reflect. Although yes, Uber is me driving passengers, there was a lot of downtime where I'm literally just sitting on the side of the road by myself, just thinking, pondering. Right. There's a lot of times when I'd have somebody in my car and I'd say 80% of the rides I was in full conversation, talking to people, getting to know them, hearing stories, but there, maybe it was less, but there was a lot of rides where they were on phone calls or I'd say, Hey, how are you doing today? They'd say good. And they'd be in their phone. And I go in my mind, I go, I get it. Like, yeah, they just want to have their time to themselves or the 4 a.m. Uh, airport ride. Right. Like that's the so, quietest. <laughs> yeah, those are the quiet. I, I, I actually had a rule. I never would work anywhere between um, midnight and like 7 a.m. Those were okay. the hours I wouldn't drive because it's like people are leaving the bars or like even people are leaving after after parties and trying to get home at four or five a.m. I just didn't want to deal with that crowd. Right. Um, but uh, so there's just a lot of time to reflect. And I spent yeah. a lot of time just diving into my who I am and lessons I learned in the past and why I am where I am today and where I'm trying to go. And yeah, it's, I just, the, for me to tattoo it on me was just kind of like closing the chapter on something that was very important in my life. Like, I don't, I would, I don't know how I would have found a way, but it would been, would have been very difficult to navigate my creative career in the beginning. Um, because I was able to really build out around people's time. Like if you're busy and you can only do a podcast on Wednesday at 3 PM, I could do that. Cause I was in control of my time. Or right. if you can only do it on Monday at 10 AM, I could do that because I was in control of my time. So it was very important for that first three and a half years of my career. And I was just trying to get my name out there and um, man, just, I, I really have a lot of gratitude for the platform, any ride share, any like side hustle app that you can, you can make a living doing it. Like yeah. I made enough to pay my bills and save some money while working on my own time, which was just super, super important. I, I love that. Cause a lot of times people might see that profession or that 
portion of somebody's life when they're doing Uber as like, you know, maybe a time that you just wanted to get through it. But that mm. is your, that's a chapter in your book. That is a chapter in your life. And you have it, you have it tattooed on, on your body for the rest of your life. Like yeah. it is it without that. And some of the themes that you had, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation, right? Totally. Like the, the themes that you have from Uber driving have definitely correlated into your podcasting career, into your content creating career. Like totally. without that chapter of Uber, we might not be here. Totally. But I will say this is that, um, I'd be lying if I didn't say that in those moments driving Uber, 10% of the time, I, it wasn't a lot because I had just continuously like reminded myself, like, just keep going, enjoy right. the ride. I honestly, like, there were a lot of times on a 10-hour day of driving Uber, I fucking had a blast. We were bumping music. I'm meeting right. people. It's <laughs> like, like, especially once I moved to LA, it was a different ball game. I was like yeah. driving in Beverly Hills and like Bel Air and like seeing parts of LA and meeting people. It was a different ball game, but um it's tricky Boston, when you're, you were dodging potholes and yeah. <laughs> fuck, man, it was bad. Um, but when you're in the moment you have, you're trying to get to the next chapter and it's not yeah. until you get to the next chapter when you can read the summary of the past chapter and go, look at all I learned. This is what it taught me that you have that gratitude. So even today where I'm at, as we record this, like I'm trying to get to the next chapter. I have ideas of like, what it looks like to be my own full sustaining entrepreneur, coach, course guy. Right. Not there yet, but I'm internally itching to get there. But then when I get there, I'm going to look back on this chapter and go, look at all the high level things that you learned. So I would say that like for people that are listening, like you're going through something right now that you maybe don't want to do or just want to get through the next chapter, reminding yourself that like, there's something to be learned here. You're going to have some takeaways from it makes it easier in the day to day. Cause you kind of just grin. Like I'm not where I want to be, but I know I'm fucking learning. Yeah. Once I get to this next chapter, I'm going to look back and laugh at these little moments. So I think it just helps you have a different perspective and a mindset for whatever you're going through right now. Absolutely. Now maybe a little bit more of a lighthearted question about your Uber experience. So as a Uber driver for both Boston and LA, and as a kid who grew up in Southern California, Mm. have have been driven on both coasts. Who has the better drivers in your opinion? Oh, dude, that's a, that's a left field question. Um, (laughs) I mean, dude, I wear the badge of being a masshole with pride and I think the route, I think because of driving in Boston, I mean, growing in Massachusetts, but more specifically, like having to drive in Boston, mm-hmm. if you could drive in Boston, you can survive any city. So without a doubt, Boston goes down as like, I mean, people are honking their horns, flipping each other off, but you have to, you're aggressive. You you're, it's a different breed of driving out here. Respectfully. What part of Southern California are you from? I was from Orange County. So yeah, fuck me. Out here, it's different. It's like the sun's always shining. People are just kind of cruising. They're taking their time. Like, I get it. I get it, man. Like, it's a trip being out here. It's just a scene. Like, everything yeah. you're looking at, it's just beautiful blue skies. So I, I respectfully have to go. Massachusetts for sure have the better drivers. No question about it. Okay. All right. But interesting. Take but I will say this. I will say this. The biggest difference, though, is like you come out here and you're driving on the 405. You feel like you're a NASCAR driver. Cause it's eight <laughs> lanes on each side. So I will say that some Massachusetts drivers would struggle out here because it's just, it's just massive. These it's highways huge. are massive and the traffic is insanity. Yeah. I mean, so I spent 18, 20 years out in Southern California. I went to, then I went to Providence, you know, and did all yeah. that. When I came back and visited California and drove on the, on five and four Oh five for the first time again, 
I was like, whoa, 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 this is too big. It's too big. Like you go on I-95 or 93 and you're like, this is a casual three lane highway, (laughs) you know, but you're so right in that. Like I, like growing up in SoCal, I used to have not bad road rage, but like when I would be in traffic on the 405 or the five, I would be pissed off. Mm. But having that appreciation of like, just roll the windows down, man. It's like, it's a nice sunny 75 day out. Like if, if 95 or 93 is all backed up and it's snowing out, like you're like, screw this. But so yeah, I would say it's, it's definitely a different breed of driving out here. Like the Memorial day traffic yesterday was bananas. I I, like, I promised this guy that I'd have a, I'd get on a Peloton ride with him at six. And I was like, I was like, "Uh, it might be six Oh five. No, it's definitely going to be six ten. I was like, gosh, (laughs) I hated that. But anyways, yeah, dude, it's, it's definitely two different styles of, of driving on coast to coast. Two things. One, uh, the biggest thing, as you probably know, now being out on the East coast, like when Memorial day, Memorial day to labor day is like, you got three months of summertime. People will, this is like all in right now. Yeah. Exactly. Out here, we kind of get it all the time. Right. But secondly, props to you because a lot of people, I don't, I mean, I don't know what the, the, the population is so big out here. It probably wouldn't be a good metric to measure, but like, I would imagine not a lot of people will take the risk to leave here. Cause it's just truly like from a climate weather perspective, it is perfect. So Props to you for, you know, taking the leave and going to the other side of the country. Yeah. My dad said you can't, my, but my dad told my twin brother and I, we couldn't go to the same school. We couldn't go to a school where we can come home and do laundry on the weekends. So we just, wow. We both came out here to the East coast and well, props stayed, to him for so. doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Props to him for making that a, a like a, this is what's going to, how it's going to go. Yeah. It was only two rules. It wasn't like you have to apply to three Ivies to, you know, <laughs> not yeah. that we were going to get into any of those, but yeah. So anyways, but so while you were doing Uber full time, you also released your first podcast, Purpose in the Youth, where you yep. did over 140 different episodes, interviewing passionate people, finding their purpose. What are some of the lessons that you took from that first show to It's the Bearded Man? Mm. Uh, that's a good question. I think what was so obvious to me with Purpose in the Youth was just like um, some of the themes and like successful people, which was like, they are constantly learning they are open-minded their growth mindset um they're they're carving out space for themselves before they get into whatever that thing is that they love to do they have boundaries around themselves um so i think the biggest thing what's what's funny enough about it's it's the beard man podcast is it started the first 10 episodes was just a solo podcast and that's why i started it the purpose in the youth was put on pause i was burnt out from doing the show and I started, it's the bearded man. It's just like a set, another outlet for me to just talk about whatever the fuck I was going on, going through in my life. Yeah. This is like great. Right the beginning of the pandemic in January of 2021. And um, when I finally had realized I'm actually going to completely close the chat on purpose in the youth, and I'm going to go all in on into the bearded man podcast. I was actually funny enough flying back from Boston or I was, I think it was in Boston or no, I was back in Chicopee. Um, for the summertime, July of 2021, I was flying back to LA and I just had this like light bulb moment where I realized I'm no longer doing this pod purpose in the youth. I want to do it's the bearded man. And I enjoy the solo podcast, but I'm also going to bring the guest pods back into the mix. So the biggest thing that I learned in purpose in the youth was just the power of conversation and curiosity from the guests that I had met and, and, and was being able to meet. So I just, I, I was like, I need to keep that as part of like my learning, but I also want to keep sharing what I'm going through and it's very therapeutic to me. So to me, it was 
the biggest thing of why I started, like I said, not too long ago on this podcast, which was like, I started purposing the youth as an engine, as a vehicle to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and where I wanted to go. And funny enough, it ended up being, I want to keep doing this. Right. I just want to spread more awareness. So I found my name. I found my brand. And that's why I was like, purpose in the youth was me finding my purpose in my youth. Now I kind of have an idea of what it is. I just want to keep being myself. It's the bearded man, but I want to keep sharing some of this wisdom that I'm learning along the way on top of let's keep bringing guests in and let's keep learning from them. I love that. I love that. So that show ends in October of 2019, but a new chapter in this story opened up when you started working full-time over at Liquid IV. Big, we love Liquid IV at this show. So (laughs) how did that all come to be? Man, that's that that goes back to kind of what I was saying also earlier. Like there's so many things that nobody will ever be able to measure outside looking in. Or even if you got access to like my analytics, like you're not gonna be able to measure these certain things. But as I know you know as a podcast, I was like the greatest value you're getting from these shows is like you get to build phenomenal relationships with people. I'm imagining you're meeting that you maybe never would have met if it wasn't for the podcast. Right. And that was kind of like a theme of it. Like the fact that you're wearing a cuts hat is like unbelievable to me because when I met Stephen Braley of cuts in 2018, he was just, he was bootstrapping and he was doing well for himself. Yeah. But like he was a one man team inside of a, we work out here. Now he's 50 plus team. So it's just such it's a successful like company out there. Unbelievable. So, that's no, that's yeah. just one example. Right. right. So uh, that's the thing is I'm, I'm meeting all these great people. Brandon Cohen, the founder of liquid. He's one of these great guys I met two or three weeks after I met Steven of cuts and we just built a relationship, a friendship. And one thing I was like, really like I made sure of was I would meet these founders and great people, but I would never ask for anything. I would never ask for favors, just plant the seed and let it grow. And mm-hmm. um, I had seen Brandon, the founder of liquid IV multiple couple times from that podcast. It was in August of 2018. We did the podcast and then for the next year, I'd see him out and about randomly in an event or something. Not that, not that much. We follow each other on social media. We would support each other. And uh, October of 2019, I'd gotten back from driving Uber. was just feeling it. Um, I'd just gotten back from a trip um, back east once again. Common theme here. I go back east. I have all these. <laughs> something happens. Think, and I come back. <laughs> but I had posted on my Instagram story, like, Hold me to it by the end of this year, top of 2020. I'm no longer driving Uber. I'm going to be doing something. I don't know what it is, but I'm doing something else. I need to find right. out if when to make make a living. And uh, Brandon saw that story, reached out to me via DM. I was like, yo, can you hop on a call tomorrow? And I just like, some, I just knew like reading that, I was like, he saw my story and there's a good chance he has something to offer me. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's for liquid IV or whatever it might be, but right. he's got something and uh, jumped on a call with them the next day it was a full-time offer that I didn't even have to necessarily interview. They were about to put this job out application out to look for a hire. And he was like, I want to offer it to you before we do that and change my life immediately. Like Amazing. just, yeah, it, it was unbelievable. Yeah. I, I, that whole network out there from cuts to liquid IV. I mean, like they, they, there's like that whole group has that e-com. It's, it's a lot huge, of e-com heavy hitters out here heavy hitters of e-com out there like we had ethan frame the head of brand over from over oh nice on this show recently and uh a couple years ago now we i remember we were doing the interview it was so funny ethan texted me and he's like dude i'm so i'm so sorry but i locked my keys in my car i'm heading home from the gym that's when i was you know and i was like no don't worry about it like all good we'll push it out 45 minutes and then 
it starts snowing here in Boston, like crazy. And I'm at my girlfriend's apartment and I'm like, Sh- like shit like how am i gonna get home and if ethan's on his way back to the office like what am i like we, we, and then like we, we got it done we got it done and like it yeah. was just an unreal interview i've been a huge fan of cuts even before that and to this day and, and a huge fan of liquid iv honestly i said this on my story liquid iv carried me through my marathon training so Props they, to you. yeah thank you um but yeah it's it's the e-commerce heavy hitters out there they all are so incredible and they also help out one another like yeah. it's insane. So that story, like as you were telling it, I was like, everything checks out. Like that is so true. And I haven't even like met these people in person just from doing this show. Like I've had those connections that I know, like that's what those, those, that's what they're like out there in LA for sure. Yeah. And I will say, I think that's just a common theme of successful people. It doesn't even have to be e-com. Like yeah. it just happens to be that I'm li- like a lot of people that I got networked with are in the e-com space. And that's kind of a lot of people that I live by, like li- I'm around day to see brands and whatnot. Yeah. But a common theme is like people know there's enough room for everyone to win and mm-hmm. they want to see other people succeed because they can learn from each other. And you don't, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and it was talking about, you don't ever want to be at the top of the mountain by yourself. You want to be there to embrace it with other people. And so that's one thing I think a lot of people out here recognize. And I think that's just a common theme, no matter the industry, the true people that are crushing it or succeeding, they are equally cheering on those around them because they recognize they can learn from them. They can pull from them. So it's, it's just so important. Like I am my own self. It's the bearded man, Bob, a habit (laughs) guy, whatever you want to call me. But like, I want to see you win just as much yet. I want to see Danny Miranda win just as much. I want to see Tony Nash win in the podcast space just as much because I know there is so much room for opportunity that I don't need their listeners. Like, I don't need anybody else's. I don't want to steal from anybody else. Gary always says it. Don't tear down anybody's building. Just build the tallest one in the city. I love that. I love that. Speaking of Gary V, you are so good at transitions. I don't even know in the next question. I I think it's prop to you for the prep work. That's that's why it's easy. (laughs) That's, That's why. So so before we get into It's the Bearded Man, I have a couple of questions on some of the people that you've gotten the chance to meet. One being Gary Vee, the other being Kendrick Lamar. Both very spur of the moment, it seems, um, just from the stories that you've told about this. But Gary Vee, it's when you were doing Uber and he just happened to be on the side of the the road. Can you take us through that whole story? Yeah, that was gnarly. Uh, (laughs) We'll never forget the day. I actually was just driving by where this happened on Sunset Boulevard two weeks ago. And I like, like seeing the the curb of where I met Gary. And I was like, I will never forget this moment, this curb. <laughs> but what's so interesting is just like timing, right? Like I was driving an Uber passenger from Burbank, California, uh, in the Valley of LA to, uh, West Hollywood. She's from Australia. She lived in LA and funny enough, we're talking about Gary V the entire ride. I pull up to drop her off. She gets out. I'm not paying attention to her. She's walking away. I look up. I'm on the side of the road and I just see her talking to some, some guy, but the guy's back is facing me and I'm just making sure she's good. Cause I knew she's not from LA. And I was like, making sure she, she didn't get stopped. It's the mid it's like Friday, 5. PM. I'm not worried, but I was like, Oh, she's good. So she, whatever carries on go back to my phone. <laughs> um, a couple of seconds later, I look up again and there's Gary V standing in front of me and like a lunatic. I don't even think twice. I just hawk my horn he looks at me, I grab my head and he can't hear me because the windows are up. Right. He, he could read my mouth. I just go, holy fuck. Because <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it was him. So I grab my phone, I run out. He's now jumping out of call. The Uber's pulling up for him. And I'm just like, Gary, I'm a huge fan. Can I just grab a picture with you and 
grabbed the picture with him. Um, but it was just like unbelievable just to see him. And I ended up getting, that was, that is still to this day, my most liked photo on Instagram. Um, Cause I strategically had posted. And I was like, Gary V said, he'll jump on a podcast with me. I just ran into Gary V on, on sunset. Gary said, he'll jump on a podcast with me. If he gets tagged, if he gets tagged a hundred times, I love that. And he got tagged a hundred times within like, I swear it had to be like three minutes and I just added a zero to it because I wanted it to just keep going and end up getting like 3,500 likes and 5,000 comments and tags. Unreal. From, from Unreal. Yeah. I love, I love the extra added bonus of like, well, obviously I'm going to try and get them on the show. Like you had what, maybe 15 seconds with them, but you're like, obviously, <laughs> but here's the thing, 15 seconds with him. And he never said that though. Right. No, I don't, that's what I, I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he didn't say that, and right. I wasn't gonna ask him to be on the podcast. He literally was on a phone call, and I was. It was if if you look at the selfie, he's literally on a call, like saying what up to me, and I right. took the selfie. But I don't know what it was, but I just like in that moment, I was like, I need to post this, but I need to be very strategic about very. it. And once you know, perfect example, it ended up fucking working. And then I will say that secondary, what was so beautiful about that moment, just going back to what we were just talking about, people want to see you win. That was a, a first time moment where I realized the community of people in LA that I had built because I had almost all of these founders and high level creatives that I had met through podcasting, mm-hmm. resharing my posts and tagging. Yo, wow. everyone go tag Gary V, like Stephen Borelli of Cuts, Brandon Cohen of Liquid IV, Jake Castle of Movement, Jeremiah Davis, like all these heavy hitter people that I had met that I had just built a one-on-one transaction relationship with and kind of like cheered each other on. And we kind of just kept our distance. All of them were resharing and tagging the post. And I was like, it really fucking warmed my heart. I was like, this is really, really cool. And then also I was like, fuck, they're going to hate me when they realize this is such bullshit. And I actually right. made it up and they all respected it. No, you, I respect it. I loved it. Yeah. I love that. That was the first instinct to be like, gotta get Like this is the tactic to try and get them on the show. That's what I would have done. Yeah. Like, come on, like we're, we're, we're podcast hosts and he's the yeah. king, like he's the king of, of content. Like we have totally. to try, you know what I mean? So, but different story with Kendrick Lamar, you basically had like a five minute jog with him uh, in, uh, in Santa Monica. Is that it? Manhattan beach. You're, Manhattan you're beach, close. Right. Not, not, not far, but um, yeah, I'm so, I'm I think rusty. it's, I'm rusty with my California no, you're good. geography th- now. Looking back, I think it felt like five minutes. Cause it was like eternity. Yeah. In reality, it probably was no more than like 90 seconds because I it, at the 90 at the 89th second, I realized you look like a fucking psychopath right now because you're right. just like <laughs> running with him. But I looking back on it, I, I I was very smart with like not smart, but I was mindful. Like it's July of 2020. We're in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Right. I'm out running on Manhattan Beach. There's nobody else running. Kendrick Lamar is running at me. I go, holy shit, it's Kendrick Lamar. And a perfect example of the Kendrick incident where I'll, 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 I'll say the lesson in a second. Um, but I, I see Kendrick, I'm like, yo, let's like, oh my God, you're Kendrick Lamar. I'm a huge fan. Do you mind if I run with you for like just a minute? He's like, sure. We flip around. I start running with him. I'm like, dude, been bumping your music. Love it. Shout out to Good Kid Mad City. My favorite album, hip hop album. Um, I ask him a couple questions and then I, I literally was like, you know what? I need to let you go and like have your space. You're clearly out here to run, but like, thank you for this moment. This is like, it's just made my day and probably my year. And he was like super respectful and loved it and kept running. But one thing I'm very, that's it's, I guess it's taken repetition and time to do, but when those opportunities arise, seeing the Gary V, seeing the Kendrick Lamar, I just shoot the shot. 
Like Gary could have said, fuck off. I'm on the phone. He never would have said that. He might've just said like, yo, I, I have to like take this call. Right. Patrick Amar might've completely ghosted me and just said, yo bro, like leave me alone. Right. I can live with that. Yeah. But knowing like, you got to take the shot. You got to say something when the opportunity arises, like you just got to do it. And um, I think that's like such an important thing that I still remind myself. And I do today is like, just shoot the shot, see what happens, say something to them. And you never know what's going to happen. That's the theme of getting a guest on this show too. Like everyone, like all my friends have asked, like, how did you get so-and-so? Or like, I didn't know you knew this person. I was like, I don't know that person. I just shot them a DM. Mm. Like that's, that's how you shoot the shot. That's you like, you're like how, how we connected. I like, I've been following you, wanted to get you on the show, shot my shot. It was a bad time for for both of us. And we said, all right, we'll revisit this, reshot the shot. And here we are today. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) it, like you just like consistency shooting the shot you you have a couple of those in your your like top five tips for young men, which we'll get to in a minute. I just love that mentality of like, it, you know, you have kind of grown from that. Like you said, you were more dialed in with your Kendrick Lamar instinct or sorry, yeah. your, your, your interaction than you were with your Gary V. You know, maybe you wouldn't honk your horn at Kendrick Lamar, but hey, it worked and you shot your shot and it all panned out. So I love that. Um, getting to the bearded man right? Mm. 195 kick-ass episodes that you have published since January of 2020. And what I love about your content that you put out is not only is it clear, it's easy to follow, and it boils down to a key list of habits. My first question is, what was the biggest change from Purpose in the Youth to this show? Um, that's a great question. Purpose in the Youth was storytelling. It was A to B or A to Z, I should say, really, Mm -hmm. which was like, you grew up in this city, you went here to college, you started this business. This is the lesson you learned early on. Now you're here. Where are you going? Um, I even looking back on some of the first episodes of It's the Bearded Man with a guest, a lot of them started to, they didn't follow that same structure, but it was very storytelling because I think storytelling is important. Like, yeah, we see where somebody is today, but we have to remind ourselves like how they got there. And sometimes it can provide us inspiration or be valuable to know like they were once in my shoes and they just kept going. Mm-hmm. But even more recently, I get, I'm now just even getting more focused on where purpose and youth was storytelling. It's the bearded man is more direct, tactical, straight, like into like how, mm-hmm. when, where, like, like how do we take these things and apply to ourselves in that, in those, in those answers of, you know, how do, how do you stay so disciplined? There is storytelling. There's okay. always storytelling to the answer. But I look at the show now, it's just like, I want, I want to get guests on. I want to get right into it. If I'm doing a solo podcast, I want to give you the high level of what we're going to dive into. I'm going to provide examples and I'm going to show you or talk to you about how, what I've learned through that experience. So I just think um, the show now is to be able to manage just more direct direct advice or direct uh, examples of like what mm-hmm. others can do to apply it to their own life. So it's been a, it's quite a transition, but I've much more thoroughly enjoyed it. Like it's just cause I just get right into it. And yeah, there's a lot of podcasts that do phenomenal jobs storytelling. And I did that for a long time. I just was burnt out of like going through the whole story. And I just wanted to get right into the weeds of it, of just where people are today. And like what, how, how are they operating the way they do? Absolutely. 
and Bobby, you are the king of the solo episode. Every solo episode that I've listened that you've had, I feel like I'm at a coffee shop with you just listening to the mm. passions or the the list or whatever, however you want to frame that episode. It's not like, man, I'm just listening to this guy monologue. It's like, hey, like this guy's making sense. Like this makes, like we're all having, it feels like we're having a conversation, but you have you have the conch shell for lack of a better term. You know what I mean? How, how do you approach those episodes versus ones where you have guests on it's the solo episode is definitely a muscle that i'm still learning how to flex mm. having done 80 or so but like i i want to know how do you prepare yeah. for those versus so of the of the 80 you've done how many have been solo one mm. cool love that so <laughs> uh no that's really good that's really good one you, you already know it's going to be just just doing the work right but yeah. what what i've done differently versus when i first started is uh, the biggest difference from prepping for a soul pod versus a guest pod, the soul pod is 100% scripted, which means I'm taking the time to think through everything that I want to talk about. And I do that so that I'm not pausing and mumbling and going on and on, or yeah. I like lose track of what I wanted to talk about. Writing it all out allows me to get clear on what I'm talking about. Let it sit for a day or two, come back, revisit it again. Let it sit for a day or two, revisit again, then then record it. Yeah. So then by the time of recording, it's been thoughtful. It's precise. I've thought everything through. When I record it, I can literally make every second count. And then I just do it. But for it to be, I think, the most valuable and honest and authentic is it has to be relevant to kind of what I'm going through in my life. So... Like I, I, that's, that's when I find the most passionate episode. So like, I'm going to just pull up right now. Cause like, I'm, that's the other thing, right. Is like, I'm sometimes always just in the go that like, I'll fucking forget what I posted last week on a solo pod because I'm just thinking about what's next week. Right. So like, right, if I just call out the last three weeks, today's or yesterday's podcast was a uh, solo pod was 10 lifestyle tips. Last week was mental health habits. Week before that was a thousand days of celibacy before that was ignore their opinion. So 10 lifestyle tips that's coming directly because I'm seeing success on TikTok right. of people just wanting tactical tips on their lifestyle. Boom. Mental health uh, habits. May is mental health awareness month needed to do that. Uh, thousand days of celibacy. I had a TikTok go viral about how I was celibate for over a thousand days. So I was like, fuck it. People want to hear about that type of content. I'm going to make up a soul pod. And then lastly, ignore their opinion Four reminders to help people ignore their uh, opinions. I don't remember why I got inspired to write that, but I think it's just because I, I, I'm in a place in my life where I just do the things I want to do. I don't really yeah. care what other people think yeah. and I just do it. So second part of how I am able to do it is I'm just paying attention. What is relevant in my life right now? What am I passionate to talk about? I keep a running tab on my notes app of like all these different topics I think would be interesting to talk about. I try not to go back to them. I try to just be in the moment. Like Monday mm -hmm. morning, I go, what is relevant in my life? Yeah. What am I passionate to talk about? And then that's when I'll start chipping away. But if you're, I would challenge you from this podcast to, it may, it doesn't have to be a weekly thing like I do, but start off at once a month right now mm -hmm. and like, just do it. And it's going to be a learning curve, but you're going to learn it and it's going to feel really good. And your community is going to appreciate it because they're going to get to tap into you. And then when it makes sense, then add in the second podcast per month. And then if it makes sense, do the third. And then if it makes sense, do it weekly. But yeah, I would challenge you, especially with we're about to be in June next month. The month of June, put out your next solo pod. 
and right. it's really easy for you to do, then push yourself immediately to do a bi-weekly and then keep pushing yourself to do more because it's it's it'll be very beneficial for you and your community. Challenge accepted. June, love we're it. coming out with a solo podcast. <laughs> I love that. Because I'll say, I when I did that one solo pod, while you were talking about that, I wanted to find this because I basically emulated that solo episode, how you do yours. Great. I think what's important about a solo podcast is keep it, like to your point, keep it concise. Like don't have this sort of like, rambling on sort of like and um yeah like i can't like a A, that's an editing nightmare that's like the one thing that i can't stand is editing and then throw on top of if i edit out every single dead space it'd be brutal but it was for the thousand miles that i ran in 2021 i wrapped up with the the the, what was supposed to be the cape cod marathon turned to charles river marathon and i wanted to do a solo episode talking about the five lessons that i learned from running a thousand miles and Great. the three biggest takeaways from this marathon that I just did. Great. So like that, it's exactly how I did it. it was like, do stick to five. You could talk about those five and, and obviously expand on those five, but don't be like, and the, oh, and then there was that one thing, you know, like stick yeah. to it, like sign the contract, yeah. stick to those five. And a lot of times like the opinion ones, ignore their opinion for, for reminders to ignore their opinion. I'm not going into it before I start writing it. Like, oh, I'm going to talk about another opinion. So I need to come up with five opinions or three reasons or whatever. What happens is, is just I decide on, the, on what I want to talk about. And then before I really get into it and like start writing the script, I will think ahead. What are the three takeaways that I've had? Or excuse me, what are the takeaways I've had from ignoring their opinion? And I'll just bullet them. Mm-hmm. And then if it's five, it's if it's four, if it's right. two, it's fine. But then I just try to be very intentful about what I'm actually saying. And like, I'm not, you know, you could argue like you could probably do one solo at per those five lessons that you learned, but that's right. not what I'm trying to do. Maybe that's not what you're trying to do. So it's just getting, it's just being very mindful. And um, to me, it's also like a time thing. I don't necessarily want to spend 60 minutes talking about one specific story or lesson. Yeah. So most of mine end up being like 15 to 20 minutes. And I found that to be a sweet spot. Some solos are 35 minutes. Cause there's a lot more to talk about. Some have been even 12 minutes, but, um, just being mindful of people's time at the end of the day, I think is, is just really important. It helps you be very mindful of what you're actually going to talk about. Absolutely. Speaking of which, can you talk a little bit about, you have a saying around you win the morning, you win the day. Can you yeah. explain on that? It's great. Yeah. It's like a, one of the tried and true mindsets that have been with me since I really like started on this like self-development journey. And yeah, it's even, it's funny you're asking now, because even like this week, it's been a, a I had like a, another shift in my mindset about it, where I've always been a preacher of you win the morning, you win the day, because I'm a big believer of, it's not about what time do you wake up every morning? It's just, how do you, how do you use those first couple hours of the day for yourself? Like yeah. prioritizing yourself before the world. And for everybody that's different, you might wake up at 5am, 6am, 7am, 8am. Fine. Doesn't matter. You might like to wake up and start painting. You might like to wake up and read and journal, call your mom, go for a walk, go to a gym, do a yoga class, have breakfast first, then go do those things. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's just carving out time in your day for yourselves before you do anything else, before you start work, before you start answering texts, emails. Like I try to, I, it, for sure, the first 60 minutes of my day, I'm not checking my texts, emails, like social media. I don't need it. I just want to be in the moment. But I love that. Um, even like a big thing that's shift, shifted for me post Boston Marathon was like, I'd say for the last five years, one aspect of my morning routine that has not changed, that didn't change was always working out. It was mm-hmm. part of my morning routine. 
And post Boston Marathon, don't know what it is. I just kind of have shifted in my mood and my energies. That's not part of my morning routine anymore. Now it's at the end of the day. And I think that's like so important. Like you got to be open-minded to how you feel about certain routines. And like, sometimes you got to change up the day of the week. Sometimes you got to change up the time of day, where you do it. All that's important. And and anytime I feel like I'm getting burnt out, I'll hit that refresh button. But um, I guess that's just to say like, whatever you're, you're winning the morning and you winning the day is, know that it'll change and being open-minded to it. But I, I, I think I just, the only reason I am who I am and I've, I come into the day with a clear mind and I'm productive is because I carve out time to do the things that matter most to me, get it done out of the way. That way I'm not making up excuses or I'm trying to find time to squeeze it in later because as the day goes on, you lose energy, you lose track of time. Yeah. And then, you know, if you didn't get the three things you need to get done in the morning, it's probably impossible to get done at the end of the day. It's such a good point because I I was when I was getting ready for this interview a couple of days ago I was like okay Friday I I don't have work today so my my full time job I don't have work today so this interview is at one p.m. Eastern I can either sleep in till ten eleven get mm-hmm. ready for you know wrap up the interview questions that I had print and then do this interview at one but then more than half my day is done. So instead, yeah. I like, and I, I don't want to say this to like gloat or pound my chest, but like, instead, I woke up a little bit earlier, got five and a half miles in, brought, brought breakfast over to my girlfriend's apartment, and wow. like that just felt like that just felt like more with my day because I would yeah. pro- if if we were to sit here and we wrap this up at two two thirty or whatever, I'd be like, damn, like where'd this whole day go? But now yeah. I've done a lot of enough things that I've like, okay, I've I've won the morning and I'm gonna win the day. So like it's all going around your, your point of like, just do those things, carve out those things in your life to do, to prioritize you. Don't, don't, don't start on social media for the first 60 minutes, whatever it is. You know, that's why I like that whole philosophy of like, even if it's just one or two things, it's going to make your day a whole lot better. Yeah. And props to you to do it, to get up and do it. And the thing and the key, when I wake up most days, I don't want to get up. No, I want to sleep. No one does. I don't want to yeah, go for the exactly. run. I don't want to read. I don't want to meditate. I don't want to do any of that. But by you just, putting your two feet on the ground and just getting up builds the momentum. It's the small steps every single day that allow you to continue to move forward. So sometimes I think a lot of people get anxiety when they wake up because they're like, I got to go for the run. I got to go do this. I got to do that. Slow the fuck down. Don't worry about what's at noon. Don't worry about what's at 2 PM, 11 AM. If it's 7 AM, 8 AM, what do you have to do in the next five minutes? I need to get out of bed. Okay. So get out of bed and put your clothes on. What's the next five minutes? Go make the breakfast, make the breakfast. Go check the emails, check the emails. Like I've been in that place yeah. where I've woke up anxiety immediately because I'm thinking about what I need to do the day ahead. Not good. Slow down and remind yourself, just focus on right now and what you need to do. And it's, it's just, it, it compounds, it compounds in time. And it's like, you hear it and you're like, oh, that's that does it. You just got to do it. You just got to do it. And you got to keep putting in the reps. Absolutely. Cause I think of like the extremes that you've seen on social media, like Mark Wahlberg's morning routine, like the, the guy wakes up at like two o'clock in the morning, throws it yeah. at like seven or whatever. Like, I don't necessarily believe in that. Like what, what works for Mark works for Mark. It definitely does not work for Jared. I'll tell you that right now. There's no way yeah. I could function as a human being at two o'clock in the morning and do what he does. But so like, I think as society and as social media is kind of portrayed, like 
the the grind like you got to wake up at five because everyone else is up at seven or like whatever it's like no you don't necessarily have to do that but if you're doing things that you know is going to make your day better that's where you're winning in that scenario and like to that point earlier like just because they're winning doesn't mean you can't also be winning like it's not a competition on who wakes up the earliest then we're just never going to sleep you know what i mean so it's like yeah you know, do find what's going to work for you and and stick to that. And that's, what's going to make you successful. That's going to make you feel successful. So totally. But, but let me just add that Mark Wahlberg example. I'm, I'm happy you called that out because you hear you. So perfect. You you just like walked right into, right. You say, you know, he gets up at 2am, he goes about 7pm. I could never do that. Two things. One, it's all it's time is relative, right? So him going to bed at seven, waking up at two, he's getting his seven hours. Right. You're going to bed at 12 and getting up at seven. You're getting your seven hours. That's right. fine. If you look at it in context, Mark Wahlberg, he's an actor. Acting, a lot of times, they have early set times of when they start. 6 a.m. probably for makeup, start filming by 7, something like that. Yeah. So he needs to be on site for 6 a.m. He gets up at 2. That's giving him four hours to prepare for his day ahead, right? I uh, just recently have changed it up a little bit, but most of my days, I get up at 5 a.m. And I need to be prepared and ready for my day to start at nine. There's that four hours. Yeah. Not comparing, but it's just all relative. So it you could do that if you yeah. needed to, but you don't necessarily need to do it. But when we hear that he's getting up at 2 a.m., we think that he's more that's why he's successful, but it's right. not that. Right. It's just relative to what is going on in his life, which is he's an actor, he needs to be on set and blah, blah, blah. If his set time didn't start till 9 a.m. every day, I would be willing to bet his 2 a.m. wake up would be more closer to four or five. So it's just paying attention to what works for you and paying attention to like what is relative to your life right now. That's why I said earlier, doesn't matter what time you wake up. I don't care if you wake up at 5 a.m., 4 a.m., 6 a.m. As long as you're checking off your items in a day, that's all that fucking matters. Exactly. But it's so easy to see and compare to what other people are doing to their morning routines or whatever time they wake up, but it's just not the case. Absolutely. All right. So this wouldn't be a proper Boston based podcast. If we didn't talk about your Boston marathon finish in April of this year. Now we hinted at it. You know, we obviously touched on it a little bit, but I even want to take a few strides back. Boston was just your third marathon ever, but now you've ran three. And if I'm doing the math correctly here, about six months, three marathons in six months. First of all, you're an absolute psycho. Uh, (laughs) But take me back to what got you into running from that point to signing up to your LA marathon in 2021. Yeah. Pandemic hits. Everyone's trying to rework their fitness workouts like like everyone else. I was somebody that always went to the gym, lifted weights. That was just like what I did. I'd use the stairs to get a little bit of cardio in and that was it. Mm-hmm. So the pandemic hits, I'm working out inside of my house, doing push-ups, sit-ups, anything that I can do, but I'm itching to get outside. Um, and within the first couple of weeks, LA, Southern California had rolled out with something where like, don't leave your house unless it's for like necessities, food, stuff like that. Or if you're going outside to work out to help your well-being. So I was like, okay, well, I can be outside if I'm supposed to be walking or running. So let's right. start running. Um, and long story short, I could barely run a mile. I just kept pushing it three to four times a week. I just push it, just kept pushing myself to run. Um, then I started working my way up to two or three to four miles, five miles. Then I joined a local run club out here where it wasn't about how many miles we ran every Saturday. It was just like a three to six mile run, but it was about the community. Yeah. I started meeting people that 
Oh, I've done three marathons. I've done six. Oh, I just ran 10 miles before the four miles we're doing this morning. I'm like, you psycho. <laughs> so I just started getting inspired. Like how far yeah. could I push it? And um, once the top of 2021 came, started really pushing my mileage from seven, seven miles for a long run to 10. Once I got to 10, I was like, I could do a marathon. And uh, I just signed up for the LA marathon and started working my way for it. At the time, it was supposed to be in the summer of 21, summer of 2021. COVID issues that got pushed. And yeah, it's a great example of like surrendering to life. Right. So I, you know, I kept running cause I started to enjoy it and I started finding like therapy in it and a lot of creative ideas coming from it. And it's just interesting how things happen, but like the marathon, the LA marathons gets pushed to November of last year. Right. And I'm about a month out from the marathon. I feel pretty good. One of my biggest inspirations for running Nick bear founder of BPN uh, supplements. He launches his marathon, which is going to be the end of January. And I do the math. I'm like, that's three months after LA. That's like the most ideal timing to separate between a marathon. So I know I signed up for a second one. I haven't even ran the first one and I signed up for the second one, do the LA marathon, love the experience, start training for the BPN, similar thing. Boston marathon opportunity comes. I sign up for that. I haven't even crossed the finish line, right? Me, I haven't even crossed the starting line of the second one. And then right. I walk in Boston. So Running just kind of naturally became part of my life. Started seeing a lot of benefit from it. And I just kept running and running. And I've definitely, after Boston was like, kind of just like, I, I, I could feel in the last couple of weeks of training for Boston, I was starting to get burnt out. I was starting to feel like this was like a force more than something that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But for the last, for all, all those months of running, I really thoroughly enjoyed it, but I was starting to hit a wall. And so um, I kind of eased back on it quite a bit, but just a lot of lessons in running, a lot of good headspace clearing, and just have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I, your story is very similar to mine in that mm. I wanted to get out of my apartment, so I had a pair of running shoes that I'd used at the gym for swimming that we yeah. weren't allowed to put outside, so they were they looked brand new. So I was like, all right, I'll just go for a run, and uh, I think I got like three miles in because like just being from a sw- swimming background and I was a distance swimmer, so my cardiovascular has always been pretty pretty decent. Um, but like, obviously running is a different motion than swimming. So I got like three miles and felt good. And then like that next Saturday, like uh, three days later, I was like, all right, let's see what we could do here. And I did seven. And I was like, you're an idiot. I was like, <laughs> I remember getting back to my apartment. I'm like, you're an idiot. Cause I had shin splints for like three weeks after that. I was like, why, what you have to like, it's crawl, walk, run. It's not like yeah. <laughs> get it done. Yeah. And then, so that was March of 2020 go on to finish March with like 600 miles. Then I made the goal of 2021 to run a thousand. And within that, I was like, if I'm getting eight miles on a random Tuesday, I can do 10 on a long run. I can run a marathon. So I was very similar in that. So I ran my first one right before you ran LA 2021 in October. Um, And I was like, I had that itch. But the thing that I was struggling with after the the Charles River Marathon was getting back into running. Mm. So like, how did you what was that transition? Like you said, it was optimal for three months, but like, what was that like coming down from that runner's hive? You, you just finished your first freaking marathon. Like that's an accomplishment that only 1% of the population gets to say they've done to turning around and saying, get back on the horse. We're doing this again. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is like when you finishing the, the LA marathon, like I use that as my momentum because I now have proof of concept. I can run a marathon. Right. And which means that my body is at, at that shape. It's ready to run a marathon. 
I just need to maintain it. The hardest work is done to get my body to a position that it can run a marathon. So I honestly, it was, it, it, it was kind of easy to just keep, keep going because I just would reset the training program and it would be easy up until the last couple of weeks where I had to do these long 18, 20 mile runs. Yeah. But my body was already primed for it. So to me, it was like, I just need to maintenance it. I just need to keep it going and I'll be ready to run these marathons. So, um, I just like after the LA marathon, I'd give myself a whole week off and then I'd, I would slowly come back into it on that second week. And then by the third week, it was like, all right, let's get back into like, a, a, like back into the full swing. Like this Saturday, we're going to run 10. The following Saturday, we'll do 12, then 14, 16, 18, keep working our way up. So right. it was really just all mental. And I, a, a big credit is to Nick Bear, like huge YouTuber um Wildly creator entrepreneur yeah. the the founder of bear performance nutrition i just was watching his content all the time so i was just like i'd see him put up a 20 mile run i'm like fuck i can't wait to go out and run my 10 miles <laughs> on saturday you know like yeah i really was like using his content as fuel to then want to like do that myself um so it there were those times there's resistance there's days you don't want to run but you just remind yourself like just take it one run at a time yeah and the other thing was like, I was seeing so much actual value from running clarity, jumpstarting my day with a run. I was like, I need to keep doing this. So, uh, to me, it was like, no questions asked. I have to keep running. Yeah. I was, I was, I was the same way in the training portion. I was like, I have to get these runs in. When I finished Charles river, I was very like pretty, pretty exhausted that I took about, I probably took too much time off that I was like, like kind of a little bit more out of shape. And then I got back into working out and I've talked about this with a couple of student athletes or ex student athletes too. And just like, I found that I was, I still can't work out for fun. Right. I can't work out for like my own personal enjoyment. I always have to be like, what is this for? Unfortunately mm. right now in my life, like, what am I doing this for? That's not to say I don't enjoy getting on a Peloton bike, or that's not to say I don't enjoy running with no, like I'm not racing anybody where I'm just training, but I want to train for something. So I was, I, I was talking to my girlfriend and, and we said I wasn't going to run another marathon again. And I was like, I think I want to run another marathon. So we're running mm -hmm. the Philly marathon in November of this year nice. and very similar to you, an opportunity might come up here in, in August or so to run Boston. My buddy has a connection that he said, look, I don't know how many bids are going to get, but the Boston Bruins foundation has bids obviously. And, you know, so I might be doing the same thing you did in committing nice to another marathon right before I even cross this, get to the starting line of one. So That's I'm great. excited. Boston it is been on my bucket list since I've moved here, but it's been on your bucket list for 28 years, getting to cross off something on your bucket list. What was that like for you? And how did you celebrate that moment for yourself? Mm. Yeah, it's pretty surreal. Um, what I think that, What's really gnarly about crossing out Buculus is that you recognize that 99% of the work is done leading up to that moment, right? Like maybe your Buculus is like to travel to London. Yeah. This is just a random example, right? Like, yeah. so you're planning months ahead of time, you're saving money, you're mapping out what are you going to do in those nine days and you figure it all out and you're pumped. You looked up the restaurants and the hotels and everything's booked and boom, boom, boom. And you get there and you do it and you cross it off, but you recognize Similar when I crossed the finish line at the Boston Marathon, like crossing out bucket list items is really the work of doing what you need to do to get there. Mm -hmm. So, like when I took off 
crossing the starting line of the Boston Marathon. I, I, I remember telling myself, and I start, almost got emotional within that first like 20 steps of like, this is the moment. You just spent the last three months training for this specific marathon. You've spent your entire life wanting to do this. Like, enjoy every step of this marathon right now. It's going to suck at some point. You're not going to want to be here. You're not going to want to do it. But you sign up for this, and this is what you've got to do. What you've got to do. So, another thing I've learned just through my own journey of getting guests on the podcast that I wanted to get on my show, or running the Boston Marathon, or yeah. doing things I've always dreamed of doing is you celebrate the wins, but you don't let them carry you too high. You smell the roses, but you don't smell them for six weeks after it happened. So. I, I truthfully like milked that Boston marathon that night. We went out, had drinks, saw friends, celebrated it the, the week after, even the next day I flew back to LA people at Logan airport are greeting you and congratulating you. I fucking wore the medal through TSA and through the Love airport and on the plane. Everyone else that ran the marathon was doing the same. And I was like, that's, yeah, that's right. I'm going to, I'm going to wear this. And you know, people congratulate you for the, the week after and, um, you, you see people they haven't seen in a couple of weeks and they bring it up again. Oh, you ran the Boston Marathon. It's great. But yeah, you just let that be to me, the success or how I celebrate is just reminding myself, like you set your eyes on the prize. It's kind of similar. We started with this podcast. You set the eyes on the prize. You do the work, you did it, you accomplish it and you move on. And I just let that be another notch on the belt. I don't carry my head held high. I think I'm fucking Mr. Cool guy. Cause I ran the Boston Marathon. I just, I, I embrace it and I celebrate it in the moment, but then I'm quickly back on the horse of like, what's next. Yeah. And that was the interesting about, I finished LA celebrated for a week, then the BPN celebrated for a week, then LA celebrated and then move forward. Um, but I will challenge you too. like, everyone's different, right? Um, I like that. You're very aware. Like you need to put something on your calendar to get you inspired to want to work out or to uh, train for something. Like my roommate even said that the other day, he's, He's an ex-professional volleyball player. So coming from a professional player, right. he's the same. He's like, I can't just work out the workout. I need to have something I'm working for for me to right. be motivated. But what helps me is I'm different. And that's great. We're all supposed to be different. I work out because I, I remind myself of the benefits. I remind myself of how it's going to make me feel, how this is going to clear my mind, how this is going to help me survive longer, a healthy lifestyle. I remind myself of the end results. I may, I visualize what it's going to feel like from going to the gym from a year straight for running a thousand miles for a yeah. year, whatever that these end results are reminding yourself. And then sometimes that can be the inspiration of like, I want to get in the 60 minute workout because I know this is it. And, and making it not, it's not a non, it's not a, do I want to, or do I not? It's a non-negotiable. It's part of your lifestyle. It's like you brushing your teeth or you going to the grocery. It's something you have to do. It's part of your life. And you do it. And same, same thing with working out. Make it no, something that's part of your life that you have to do. I agree completely. I was like, I always say you never regret a workout after the never. fact. And never. I've never regretted a workout after the fact. I just, it's, it's so interesting too, like how you celebrate the wins and the crossings of the finish line. A lot of it is the, the you said like the 99% is the training or the getting ready or, or like how we use the London example, just planning the trip. But that's, that also means like 99% of the celebration came from the process of getting to that point. Like, yeah. like, I love that you were like, we had one night out in Boston, which I, you definitely should. Right. Yeah. But I'm sure you celebrated 
just as much when you did your 20 mile run, you know, training to that point or the runs you did with friends or whatever, with the run club, like it's enjoying the process, not just seeing the end result is so important. I love that quote from the boy, the, the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse, like of they're going through the woods on the horse. And the kid says, I can't see in front of us. We don't know where we're going. It's like, well, can you just see the next step in front of you? And if you can just take that. So take that celebration of like that next run, take that little small victory because it's all going to compile up. And if you miss those, when you get to the finish line of the Boston marathon, that's the only, that 1% is all you're going to feel. feels misery. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's almost like a graph where you start and you're, you're on zero and you get the small winning and you're now up one, then you're up two, you're up three. And then you finally get to the Boston marathon and you're up, you know, 86 whatever runs or wins and when you look at the graph you just see that along the way you've just been making small wins and you hopefully you're celebrating them along the way so that by the time you get to the cross in the finish line yes it's the the end result but you've had all these wins along the way you've had all these opportunities that it's just the peak moment but you've celebrated along the way that makes it worth it and also the in you're going to be more happier along that journey if you are taking that time to celebrate some of these wins that you're getting along that along the journey of it absolutely man bobby before we get to our last question of the day man i wanted to see is there anything else you wanted to add or ask to this incredible conversation that we've been having today anything i want to add or ask feel free to ask me questions we've done that on the show um, i'm I'm an open book just as much as that's great that's great yeah yeah um yeah, I used to I used to carve out every on purpose need that I used to do that at the end of every episode before the final questions. I reverse the role. I allow the guests to ask me any one question. Um, hmm. This is I mean, this is like such a podcaster question, but who 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 is your dream guest right now? If you could have anyone sit down with you later today, who would it be? We I talked about this on um on an episode with Tony Nash. And I, I'll give you two because um, I'll give you the one I, I told Tony because I, I was honestly thinking of that when he asked it. I would love, and it can't happen, but I would love to get the chance to have interviewed my grandfather uh, mm. for this podcast. It was a World War II vet, um, two Purple Hearts, Congressional Medal of Honor, First Marine, First Battalion. He was in Iwo Jima. He was in Guadalcanal. He, he had seen it all. Uh, but then when he came back, we married his high school sweetheart. He built a construction company with his brother. He built Watergate out in DC. So very successful man. And it's just so incredible that his father obviously did the whole Ellis Island trek from Ukraine to the United States, who started this contracting business, never knew how to read or write, only knew how to sign his name on a check. And it's just so insane, that story. And the man that he became who then turned into my father. Hopefully I could be half or a third of the man that my grandfather was, but I'd love to have the chance to have interviewed him in a state where he could sit down for an hour, hour and a half, yeah. uh, just to tell that story. Because, you know, that you were talking about that at the beginning of the show, that like, you don't have that bird side view of, of your, how, how you grew up. You don't have that bird side view of these incredible, that incredible generation of, of World War II vets until there's basically, I think like, a couple hundred left you know what i mean it's insane yeah. it's insane problem man it would be it would be a gnarly conversation to have it would be and i will i'll give you another one that i haven't said i was thinking about this i am obsessed uh with quinn 92 the musician mm. and i love what he stands for in the music industry and i just i've i've been following him for a really long time and so it's cool to see him progress i think that's an obtainable guest 
oh, where right. obviously like the unobtainable would be my grandfather, but that would be another, uh, another all-time guess. Who's yours right now? Yeah. Um, I mean, I need to get, a, it's, he's like, there's, 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 and I also think Quinn Ives is very attainable. I think if you do, there's different ways you could approach it, but I, I very much believe you could get him on your show before the end of the year. Yeah. Um, um, when I first started podcasting, there's three people that really mattered that really helped me jumpstart the career. And I've gotten two out of the three and I need to get the third one was, uh, Lewis house. He was the pure inspiration for helping me start a podcast or excuse me, inspired me to want to start a podcast. Uh, number two is, um, drama, Chris path. Yeah. He's on short story, long podcast, yep. um, group chat. He, group chat, um, MTV growing up. Um, he was a huge, like inspiration for me to stay consistent on a weekly basis. Um, so he felt like my older brother. I was just like following his footsteps because he launched his pod in May of 20, uh, 2016. I didn't mind launch my two months later, August. Yeah. Um, and then third and final is Gary V. He's somebody yeah. that's been, been on the hit list for a while. So he's the third person of that trifecta. And then there's a lot of other great people that I'd like to chat with at some point. But um, yeah, Gary V is the next one for sure. I love that. Yeah. The Chris Drama Path, I, I loved just growing, I grew up watching Robin big and fantasy factory and then seeing him start young and reckless, like, and now just seeing what he does today, he'd be an all-time guest to have on this show too. But yeah, I, that's a, that's an unbelievable list. And you're just one more away. And I, and I could, I could, it's, it's almost there. I feel like you're, you're so close any day now. I feel like you can get Gary V. Yeah. I, I, I challenge you. Okay. If you give me the end of the year to get Quinn 92, let's say I'll, I'll give you till a year from today. To okay. try and get to try and I'll, get Gary. I'll try my my ass off to get it before the end of the year. All right. I, I want to put that pressure on the next six months to find a way because we'll be in June next week. So yeah, I think by I think before the end of the year would be ideal. And I think it's 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 possible. I just gotta I gotta navigate a couple ideas. We'll we'll hold each other accountable here. I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. Awesome, Bobby. Well, we've gotten to the last question of the show where we yeah. asked this of all of our guests, and I'm excited to hear your answer here. Bobby, if you were to write your autobiography today. What would be the title of it and why? Yeah, this this um this kind of just came to fruition probably about two weeks ago, what I'm about to say. And that's props to my buddy Jordan Tarver, uh, who you should definitely reach out to and do a podcast. He's been on the show. Yeah. Yes, incredible. Props to Jordan. Yeah. Um I was at a place of like trying to like I kind of have an idea of where I'm going, but like needed to summarize what I'm doing even more just more like precise mm-hmm. and the title of the chapter title of the book would be stay on track and i think that is staying on track and it's kind of it's a very it's goes hand in hand with stay dialed in i think it's more consumable for people with stay on track which is i am who i am today only because although there's hurdles although there's times that i don't make any progress in a given day I continue to show up and do what I need to do. And I keep staying on track of working towards these goals. And it's just, it's just the greatest way to summarize how I've gotten to where I'm in my life today. And all of these goals I've had from when I was a kid, high school, college, post-college years to now at 28, stay on track. And no matter what that is, you can take it how you want it, but wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for just that mindset of continuing to show up. I love that answer. I love that answer. Jordan Tarver is an all-time guest too. We've had him on this show. In fact, he brought up a question for me after shortly after I asked the autobiography question. 
and I'll ask you, I, I wonder if he's asked you about this. Do you have your word for 2022? Did, did you guys talk about your one word for the year? Um, I did a, I did a TikTok live with him about a month and a half, two months ago. And I think he might've asked me similar. Yeah. I didn't have a word. I had a phrase, which was let go. Okay. So kind of just surrender. So that's, yeah, I like yeah, that. If you want to, if you wanted to find let go in one word, yeah. it is surrender. Um, and that's just like a massive, like just trusting the flow of the universe and not yeah. resisting where it's trying to take you. So, um, I try to, I try to still to this day, remind myself that control what I can control and let go of the things that I, that are outside of my control. Mine was rip. It's obvious. It's two words, but ripple effect would be my words for 2022. I was telling Jordan that, you know, as I closed out 2021, I had kind of a, an interesting end to the holiday season. And I just, when I was reflecting on that, I think back to your actions will have a ripple effect in everything that you do. Um, and if, if you want to make it a big ripple and extend to many things in your life or, or whatever, then make that, make that splash and make that giant ripple. But if you can control the ripple effect of your actions, if it's, you know, if you only want it to affect so many things in your life, make the right decisions that can lead to what you're trying to ripple out to. I know this is a, I'm sure it's hard to follow, but that's kind of where I was at with my mindset of, you know, try not to make everything so big if it doesn't need to be so big and, and try to keep it all contained a little bit. So look at, look at a little, you throw a little pebble in the right. water and look at how much that can ripple into the, into the, like a, in a pond, right? You're not going to see it in, in an ocean, but right. if you drop a little pebble into a flat pond, you will see how much that ripples out from just right. that little pebble. So it is those small daily decisions, moments, conversations, tweets, podcasts, they don't feel like anything in the moment, but they truthfully are rippling people around you and people that don't even, you probably don't even know directly. Absolutely. Well, Bobby, this has been an absolute blast, man. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on this show. It's been, it's been a joy to have you. I'm so thankful for you to come on and just keep doing you, man. You're absolutely incredible and, and uh, keep inspiring those around you. I appreciate you, man. Uh, you're doing a phenomenal job as, as a host. And uh, I will say for the listeners that do support you and maybe listen on a weekly basis, the best thing that they need to do today is if you're on iTunes, leave this man a one-word, one-sentence review. If you're a Spotify listener, uh, below the ty- uh, below the image of this podcast, you can leave a five-star rating. Leave him a rating there. But those things help, especially as you're growing your podcast. So if you are a listener, help this man out because he's doing a fucking phenomenal job and leave him a review. Thank you, Bobby, man. I, I appreciate it. Same goes to you. I, I, I've left you five stars plenty of times, man. You are the, you are the man. Keep doing Thank it. You. And uh, we'll definitely have to stay in touch. Sounds good, bro. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So a big thank you to Bobby for coming on this week's show and sharing his story. And just, I mean, like I said at the beginning of the hour, an unreal guest to have on this show. Be sure to go follow him on Instagram at Bobay three B's, four Y's. Be sure to go follow him and his podcast. It's the Bearded Man podcast available on Spotify and anywhere that you find your podcast. Just like he said here very generously, be sure to go leave him a five-star review and continue to show your support to those podcasters. That does it for this week's episode. Again, this show would not be doable or where it is today without you wonderful listeners. So thank you all from the bottom of my heart for continuing to show your support. Be sure to go follow us on Instagram at normalguylazyeye and same thing on TikTok at normalguylazyeye. And that does it for all the shameless plugs. I'll see you all next Wednesday.